the mystery history podcast i'm allison i'm rachel welcome to episode 153 robert hansen the butcher baker of alaska part two part two so if you didn't listen to part one go listen to that first and then come back to part two yes please but we're gonna give you a little synopsis of part one before we start into part two just to give you a little reminder because it's been a week and things happen. It's been a minute. It has. This been. is helpful for us also. <laughs> it is. It gets us back in the, the groove of where we were and where we left off. Um, so we don't have any business this week. So we're going to just jump right into it. So in part one, we talked about Robert's early life. He had an overbearing father and a mother who was just kind of along for the ride. She didn't really help um, stop his overbearing father from doing the things that he did. He developed a debilitating stutter and was relentlessly teased by his peers. He began committing crimes early in his life, and it started with arson. And then over time, it just, you know, like it does, escalates to murder. Mm -hmm. It seems like the trajectory there. (laughs) And it's important to remember that he was actually caught for a lot of his earlier crimes, but he was just given a slap on the wrist. So he wasn't really punished heavily for these. And we not, you know, anybody important, but we believe that (laughs) it's because he was just given that slap on the wrist that kind of made him feel like he was above the law and he kind of get away with whatever he wanted. In 1983, his last victim, Cindy Paulson actually got away from Robert after she was put in his car while he was getting ready to his plane ready to take her into the wilderness to essentially murder her. Um, Because Robert was such an upstanding member of society, the cops didn't really believe her story because she was a sex worker. Um, And unfortunately that's just the name of the game, even though she had details of the inside of his house and she had purposefully left her shoes in his car as evidence he accused her of trying to extort him um, instead of him trying to murder her which was really what was going on mm-hmm. eventually our knight in shining armor dun, 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 detective glenn floff with the alaskan state troopers started kind of putting the puzzle pieces together and was suspicious of robert with cindy's testimony and with a profile that was put together by FBI profiler our boy John Douglas of Mindhunter, a warrant was put out for his arrest and he was taken into custody. He initially denied the accusations, but then he eventually admitted to each piece of evidence that was presented to him, and his spree started in 1971. So now you're all caught up. That's the synopsis of part one. Robert is known to have raped and assaulted over 30 Alaskan women and to have murdered at least 17, ranging in age from 16 to 41. Although based on evidence, law enforcement suspect that Robert killed at least 21 female victims. The following is just a listing of some of Robert's known victims and several other 
additional women who have been mentioned as possible victims because he didn't necessarily admit to killing all of them. Um, Though, if you remember from episode one, they had found, or from part one, they had found a map with little X's on it Mm -hmm. that were the location where some of these women's bodies had been found. And then two, he had a real demented, twisted kind of morality thinking to this, where if you were a good girl, quote, quotes around that, he wouldn't murder you. But if you were a bad girl, he would. Now, we think that he probably broke his own morality code quite often and ended up murdering some women that were not what he actually considered bad girls and he did not admit to those murders right and and didn't we say too with the x's on the map that they didn't always find bodies there but they were in alaska in the wilderness so it could have been there was a lot of i think black bears there that could have taken the body a lot of animals just the elements themselves snow um you know there's a lot of reasons that those bodies were not found plus it's a map and you like if you make an x on a map that is a big area and if you buried a body it's not necessarily going to be easy to find right you know it's not like the x marked the exact spot in the world (laughs) you know so yeah Of the 18 women, Robert was only formally charged with the murders of four. Sherry Morrow, Joanna Messina, I cannot say this word, Aklutna Annie. That's different than how I said it in episode one, too. But that's the street where she was found. So she's actually an unidentified victim. And Paula Golding. He was also charged with the kidnapping and rape of Cindy Paulson. Thank goodness. Yes came around to believe in her and these are the victims that we're going to be talking about the women that we're talking about they're listed in the order in which they went missing basically the last time they were seen but if you remember we also talked about how a lot of the women in this area they were up there because of all of the oil workers And a lot of them were running circuits, working at multiple um, strip clubs, and they would kind of go up and then come back and disappear. So people not being around suddenly wasn't always necessarily a red flag to what was going on. So, All right. So the first one is Celia Beth Van Zatten. Then 18 years old, was at home with two of her three older brothers on December 22nd, 1971. The three of them shared a house on Knick Avenue in South Anchorage, close to Northern Lights Boulevard, with their older brother and cousin. Her parents resided in a different home in Anchorage. In the late evening, Beth left her house and walked a few blocks to the nearby Bilo supermarket. The buy low closed at 9 p.m. and she left at 8.30. Between 8.45 and 9 p.m., a waitress, or I'm sorry, a witness spotted Beth go to the buy low. At around 9 p.m., a neighbor claimed to have spotted her on Northern Lights Boulevard. She never reached the buy low. 
Her disappearance was reported two days later. On December 25th, 1971, so Christmas, her body was discovered at Chukok State Park, close to Anchorage. Her chest had been sliced with a knife, and she had been bound and subjected to sexual assault. She had been dumped, still alive, into a deep ravine before before passing away from exposure. That's awful. Isn't that terrible? According to forensic evidence, she attempted to climb back up the slope, but was unable to do so due to her bindings. Robert had been accused of killing her because of an X on his aircraft map, but he denied responsibility for both her death and other women's homicides who were not involved in prostitution. Again, with Mm -hmm. the moral code thing. Yep. Megan Siobhan Emmerich who was 17, vanished on July 7th, 1973 in Seward, Alaska. She was last spotted leaving a dorm laundry room while attending the boarding school Seward Skill Center. She has not been seen or heard from since. Megan left behind all of her personal items, including her identification. Before contacting the police, her roommate conducted a three-day search for her. Robert, again, denied killing her to authorities, but he did admit he was in Seward on the day Megan vanished. Due to an X on his aircraft map in the Seward region, he is thought to be responsible. Apparently, Robert admitted to a former inmate that he transported Megan to a cabin in the Seward region that was only reachable by boat where he killed and buried her. So, he denied it to the police and supposedly told it to a former inmate Mm. that he was with. On July 5th, 1975, Mary Kathleen Phil, age 22, disappeared from Seward, Alaska. Her husband was away working on the Trans-Alaska Pipeline, and she lived on Lower Point Road. She was driven into town by a friend who then dropped her off at a local bakery. Not his bakery, though. Okay, but he is a baker. Um, maybe he was pissed that she didn't go to his bakery between 1 30 and 2 PM. A different acquaintance saw her by a waterfall on Lowell point road. She had not been seen or heard from since Robert acknowledged being in Seward on the day Phil vanished, but denied killing her an X on his aviation chart in the vicinity of resurrection Bay raised suspicions about him. Robert admitted to killing her and discarding her body in Resurrection Bay, according to a former prisoner. So he's telling all of his his prisoner friends that he's killed these people. Yeah. So, like, again, with this morality code, these three women would not have fit his mm-hmm. his um, admitted victim repertoire kind of situation. So, Yeah. But then he has no problem apparently telling prisoners that he's with about it. What does he think that they don't care? I guess. I don't know. I think I think that's very interesting that he is telling other people that he did things, but he won't tell like the police. Right. But he did already admit to a bunch of other ones. So like what are you trying to uphold here? Right. Like I don't <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> um Local topless dancer, 24-year-old Joanne Messina, so if you remember, he was actually formally charged with her murder, um, went out to dinner with Robert on May 19th, 1980, while she was working in Seward, Alaska. 
before she offered him sex in exchange for cash, Robert claimed that everything was going smoothly. Robert refused to pay and refused to release her. So he drove her and her don't listen to this part dog to a distant place by the snow river. He hit her with a 22 caliber revolver before shooting her twice and shooting the dog. Oh I my know. God. What a freaking monster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like why? He brought Messina's body to a gravel pit nearby and dumped gravel over top of her body the dog and Messina's belongings were thrown into the woods and the gun was thrown into the snow river on July 8th, 1980, her severely decomposed body was found after wildlife had gotten to it. Oh my gosh. Cause she'd been out there for almost two months at that point. Mm-hmm. Terrible. 20- that is so terrible. I did not know that any dogs were harmed. Sorry, I should have uh, given you a pre-warning. Yeah, there should have been a trigger warning here. I did not see it. <laughs> All I'm of these you- poor women dying but the dog. <laughs> Too I much. Know. I know. <laughs> On June 28, 1980, Roxanne Eastland, then 24 years old, vanished. She had been residing at the Budget Motel on Spennard Road in Anchorage, Alaska with her boyfriend for the previous two weeks. On that day, she was scheduled to meet an unnamed man downtown on 4th Avenue. She has not been uh, seen or heard from since. Although Robert admitted to killing her, her body was never discovered. So she was a lady of the night. Yes. Yes. The remains of Eklitna Annie were discovered buried next to a power line in a wooded area one mile south of South Eklitna Lake Road in Eklitna, Anchorage, Alaska. Ugh, how many times do I have to say Such that a word? Hard word. <laughs> I have no idea how to say that. Uh, on Eklitna July twenty, 20- sounds right. I, I hope so. Um, on July twenty first, nineteen eighty. Robert admitted to stabbing her in the back after she made an effort to flee from his car. She was either a stripper or a prostitute, according to Robert, who also claimed that she was his first murder victim. Despite his claim that Eklatna Annie might have come from Kodiak, Alaska, troopers think that she might have arrived in Alaska via California. So that's important because she's still unidentified. Mm Mm-hmm. Her body had already been mostly consumed by wildlife when it was found in the shallow grave near Aklatna Lake Road. Wow. Um, at the nightclub she worked at in Anchorage, Lisa Frutel met and was subsequently kidnapped by Robert on September 6, 1980, when the 41-year-old failed to return home following her September 7th shift at the club her two younger housemates reported her missing. Her body was discovered on May 9th, 1984, buried next to a gravel pit south of the former Knick Arm Bridge. On July 10th, 1981, dancer Malaya Larson, who was 28, was reported missing from Anchorage, Alaska. Way later, on April 24th, 1984, Her body was discovered in a parking lot close to the Nick Arm Bridge. Wow. Isn't that weird? That's That's strange. Then Mm. Sherry Morrow, a 23-year-old dancer who would receive 
$300 for nude images, told friends she was seeing a photographer on November 17th, 1981. She was never seen again. A shallow grave was discovered by hunters on the banks of the Nick River, which borders Anchorage, on September 12th, 1982. Morrow, who was reported missing a year earlier, was identified from the remains. She had received three gunshot wounds to the back. Mm. And cartridges discovered close to the body revealed that a... I don't even know what that is. 223 Ruger. What's a 223? Is that like it's the caliber? Rifle. Yeah. 223 Ruger mini 14 hunting rifle had been used to deliver the shots. An odd feature was that although the body was found fully clothed, there were no bullet holes in the clothing, hmm. suggesting that Sherry had been naked when she was shot and then redressed after death before being buried. And she was shot in the back because she was running because he was hunting her probably, which is that is that is terrifying that is so scary and what a weird move to dress her afterwards like yeah why i don't know that is weird at 11 p.m on december 2nd 1981 andrea mona fish in quotes altieri 24 was last seen boarding a taxi to go to the Boniface Mall in Anchorage, Alaska. She intended to meet an unnamed male for a photo shoot and to perform exotic dances. She had so he been... was like also telling women that he was a photographer and he would take nude photos of them for money. And you would think this would be like floating through that circuit, right? Like people tell their friends and like don't then you know that they go missing yeah yeah you would think that but maybe because there was such a fluid amount of people rolling through that they weren't getting close enough to share information like that or something i don't know maybe she has not been seen or heard from since um when authorities searched robert's house several of her possessions including her fishnet necklace was discovered Robert claimed that after he met her, he threatened her with a gun and abducted her, blindfolding and handcuffing her. Near the Nick Arm Bridge, they took a car to a service road off Palmer Highway. He unbound her there and abused her sexually. He killed her with a 22 Browning automatic pistol after she retaliated. Good for you mm-hmm. for trying to get out of that. And if you remember, he said that what he would do is he would assault them and then he told them if they didn't retaliate if they just took it he would let them go and if mm-hmm. they didn't he would murder them he told them that ahead of time like that would how- be awful well and how many times did he tell the other women he that just he- all the time right he was lying <laughs> but I'll still you, i'll tell you what if somebody told me that i'd still give it a go right? you know what i mean <laughs> yep um He then stole her necklace, weighed a duffel bag with gravel, tied it to the dead woman, and threw her off the bridge and into the river. Her body was never found. 20-year-old Tamara Tammy Pedersen was a dancer at a nightclub in Anchorage. The last her family heard from her was during a phone call on August 7, 1982, where she claimed to have been offered money to pose for photographs. Like, what a jerk. Right. 
She was kidnapped and murdered by Robert. Her body was not found until after Robert confessed and pointed to her body's location on that map. She was found one and a half miles from the old Nick Bridge on April 29th, 1984. And I did post the um, the map. map. And it's very, I mean, it's massive. Yeah. It's massive. And it's very crude. And like you were saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, map. Yeah, that could be, in, I mean, anywhere, right? <laughs> it's, it's kind of amazing that they found anybody. Yeah. Because I can't imagine going out in the wilderness of Alaska looking at all that snow and just being like, what are we supposed to do now? Like, yeah. I wonder if, is this like, because it's an aviation map, are these like coordinated? Yeah, there's kind of like coordinates on here. I don't know. Like I said, it could get you into like the general area, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And then for some of them, I'm sure that was pretty easy to spot where things were from there. But like in other cases, absolutely not. Right. Sue Luna, a 23-year-old exotic dancer, voluntarily agreed to a $300 photo shoot offer with a nightclub patron. On May 26, 1982, she met Robert in a diner parking lot in Anchorage, Alaska. The following day, Luna was reported missing. Robert had abducted and killed Luna, then buried her in the Nick River area. She was discovered on April 24, 1984. Robert had her flee into the forest while hunting her like an animal while she was stripped naked. She had been shot to death. Could you imagine just like the fear itself, but then being so cold? Being naked running through the woods sounds freaking awful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No. Absolutely And I just think of like Silence of the Lambs whenever they're in the dark and he's got those goggles on where he can see her. Yes. And you can't see. I just got goosebumps. Silence of the Lambs is such a like creepy movie. Um, It really is. Jamie sent us a thing where you can tour that house. Really? The the Buffalo Bill house. Yeah. Like you can tour it. That's crazy. That is crazy. But yeah, that does remind me of that. Like you, he's got the upper hand here. Oh yeah. By a mile. It's just messed up. Um, 24-year-old Angela Lynn Fettern was last seen on 4th Avenue in Anchorage sometime in February 1983. She was not reported missing until May. Wow. The owner of the of the nightclub that she worked at reported that Fettern, one of his dancers, had gone missing. Robert had kidnapped and murdered her. Her body was found on April 26, 1984 on a small lake near the larger figure eight lakes or figure eight lake dancer Teresa watson 22 was last seen in anchorage on march 25th 1983 she informed her roommate that she would meet a man um, who would give her 300 dollars in exchange for an hour or two of company at scenic lake robert abducted her and killed her robert was unable to bury her since the earth in the region was still frozen he abandoned her where she had died. She was discovered on May 17th, 1984. And remember how, like, whenever we were talking about who was it, the Taco Bell killer or something like that. And mm-hmm. there were so many like coincidences and so many people. 
And it's kind of the same thing here. Like it is. There were there were women that came forward saying that they had been assaulted by him, but they were all just mm-hmm. a bunch of strippers and prostitutes. Like who listens to them? So I feel like the police should have if it's not necessarily, yeah, I was going to say, if not necessarily putting two, to, two and two together as all these women are missing over this span of time from a pretty close area, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, if not that, but when Cindy came and said that he did that. A light bulb. Like, been like yeah, Bing. you'd think they'd be like, oh, okay, like this time for realness yeah. is going on. I don't know. It's ridiculous. And then, too, if you pay attention to the dates that we've been giving um, when their bodies were discovered, a lot of them were after the fact using that map, I think, based on the dates when they were found. Um, Dylan Sugar, Renee Frey, a 22-year-old resident of Anchorage, Alaska, was last seen sometime in March of 1983, but she wasn't immediately reported missing. She was abducted and killed by Robert. She was buried as Jane Doe in an Anchorage cemetery after her body was discovered on a Nick River sandbar by a pilot trying out new tires on August 20th, 1985. It wasn't until 1989 that she was identified when an Alaska state trooper recognized her jewelry in a case file photo. Wow. That's a good memory. Right? Wow. The partial skeletal remains of Robin Robin Pelkey, then 19, were found on April 25th, 1984 in Palmer, Alaska, close to Horseshoe Lake. It was determined that she had been stabbed and shot. It's unknown if she was involved in sexual activity as Robert went from women fitting that description. uh, Not all the time. So no, not all the time. Who does know? In October 2021, so very recently, forensic genealogy was used to determine her identity. She had the moniker Horseshoe Harriet before she was identified. Earlier in the 1980s, Pelkey resided in Anchorage, Alaska, and she vanished on July 19th, 1983. How amazing. That they were able to use the genealogy. Yeah. Yep, so that was the other unidentified person that they had, but they were able to figure that one out very recently. (laughs) Very recent. Paula Golding, who's 30, was a dancer in Anchorage when on April 25th, 1983, Robert offered her money before kidnapping her. He drove her to his aircraft, shackled her, and demanded she exit the aircraft under threat of being shot. She fought with him and attempted to get away once they reached a remote spot. And that was according to Robert. I think he was trying to get her to exit the aircraft while it was like in the air. But she was shackled. Was she shackled to the plane or just like her hands? I think she was just, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I think her hands were just, yeah. So she fled and he fired a 223 rifle at her killing her on september 2nd 1983 she was discovered on the nick river buried in a shallow grave she had been wounded in the back but 
because her clothing was unharmed, it is possible that she was shot while still naked and then clothed before being buried. So those are just two, like, that was another example of him hunting people. Like, he denied Mm -hmm. that. He denied hunting people. But, like, when else would you be shooting somebody in the back Right. When they're, when they're naked away in in a remote place when you let them go yeah, yeah. like oh, i just can't even imagine like in in two if you they're in a remote and, and that happened to somebody where it's just the elements get you because you're freaking naked yeah. like what yeah are you he probably do? he probably felt very safe doing that like if they get away it doesn't even matter because they didn't get away mm-hmm. you know They'll That's just terrible. die where they fall, basically. Oy, 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 oy. And then Cindy Paulson, 19, who we previously mentioned, um, that was on Ju- June 13th, 1983. And she's the one that got away and mm-hmm. started all of this mess. So um, once arrested, Robert was charged with assault, kidnapping, multiple weapon offenses, theft, and insurance fraud. The last charge was related to a claim filed with the insurance company over the alleged theft of some trophies. Nobody collects freaking trophies anymore. Right? I thought that was weird. You can't even give trophies to Goodwill. You know that? Oh, can you not? They don't take them? Because nobody wants them. Well, he used the proceeds of the insurance claim on these trophies to buy his plane. How expensive were they? What kind of trophies were these? Were they gold-plated? Like, I don't what? know. Maybe like baking trophies or something? I don't know. No, they were hunting trophies. Oh, hunting he got, trophies. Yes, yeah. Okay. But I don't know what they could have been Wow. for that to be able to purchase a... I mean, it's like a little plane, but still, like to be able to purchase any kind of plane from trophy yeah. proceeds insurance things yeah that's weird I'll never be able to own a plane i don't know people that own planes i just think you're on a whole nother level than me even if it's like <laughs> a little puddle jumper like he had you know it's like i'll never yeah no nope. um at trial he claimed he later recovered the trophies in his backyard but to, he forgot to inform his insurance company as you do yeah <laughs> he didn't he didn't he forgot he put them in the backyard <laughs> he did and then he came to get them later. <laughs> Robert entered into a plea bargain after ballistics tests returned a match between bullets found at the crime scenes and Robert's rifle. He pleaded guilty to the four homicides the police had evidence for. Morrow, Messina, Golding, and Aklatna Annie. And provided details about his other victims in return for serving his sentence in a federal prison, along with no publicity in the press. So isn't that interesting? I think it's interesting that you can say that that's what you want. Like, press is press. If you did it, it's coming out. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that he said that. And then, like, when you think about it, this is... You said you've heard of him, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I feel like I vaguely have heard of him. But I... Like, the fact that he hunted women... I feel like I should have like known that 
or I've heard about that before and I hadn't. And I wonder if some of it has to do with the fact that he had this no publicity and press thing. But I don't it didn't know. do him very well because there's it's still very documented and there was a freaking movie made about him. Nick Cage oh, in yeah. it. And John yeah. Cusack. I mean You right, you right. I don't know. Well yeah, then what does that even do mean? That. Yeah, what does that even mean then? I don't know. Another condition of the plea bargain was his participation in deciphering the markings on his aviation map and locating his victims' bodies. Robert confirmed the police theory of how the women were abducted, adding that he would sometimes let a potential victim go if she convinced him that she would not report him to the police. Mm -hmm. He indicated that he began killing in the early 1970s. Well, and maybe he just meant no publicity in the press, meaning like he wasn't going to do any interviews interviews. or like they couldn't be there during the trial or something i bet that's what that means that could be like a closed court that that Mm. is that's a thing but i mean you can't stop anybody from publishing things Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. robert showed investigators 17 grave sites in and around south central alaska 12 of which were unknown to investigators these remained um There remained marks on his map that he refused to give up, including three in Resurrection Bay near Seward. Authorities suspected two of these marks belonged to the graves of Mary Phil and Megan Emmerich, whom Robert had denied killing. The remains of 12 of the probable 21 to 37 victims were exhumed by the police and returned to their families. Now, I would say that that would negate his plea bargain. If he refused, what would? If he refused to give up marks on the map to authorities, well, they said to decipher them. He could have just been like, "I don't know what those marks mean." Yeah, I guess. Well, and I don't know. At least some of the victims were able to be returned to their families, right? But I mean, what a piece of shit! You couldn't just. You know, Tell you freaking everything you know. Yeah, I don't like. We've talked about this a million times, but like, just with the last little bit of possibility of you being decent like just be Mm -hmm. decent and tell everything so that you're not leaving these families wondering. Right. You know that's just so awful. Robert (laughs) was sentenced to four hundred and. 61 years in prison without the possibility of parole he was first imprisoned at the united states penitentiary lewisburg in lewisburg pennsylvania oh in 1988 he was returned to alaska (laughs) why pennsylvania is like we don't want this guy here yeah get him out of here (laughs) and briefly incarcerated at lemon creek correctional center in Juneau. he was also imprisoned at Spring Creek Correctional Center in Seward until May 2014 when he was transported to the Anchorage Correctional Complex for health reasons. Robert died on August 21st, 2014 at the age of 75 at Alaska Regional Hospital in Anchorage due to natural causes from lingering health conditions. Oh, so sad. Just kidding. Right? Bye. <laughs> But now we're going to talk about Darla because I just feel like, I I don't know. 
I'm always so taken aback by these freaking wives yeah. or people in their lives. Like, how? I just don't get it. I don't get it. I really do not get it. And I do see how this like happened based on what she says. But like, why would you live a life like that? <laughs> I just don't know how that people have so much. I have my life is in shambles at all times and I'm not a serial killer. Like, how do they keep it all together? I, I just no don't idea. know. Yeah. So, so yeah, in part one, we mentioned he was married the whole time. And Rachel and I were like, how did she not wow. know? So we're going to mm-hmm. talk about that. So the couple lived separate lives. While Robert earned money from the bakery, Darla would tutor learning disabled children. Very respectable. She told Sergeant Floff, the state trooper um, instrumental in uncovering Robert's crimes, that their incomes were their own. And she supported the children in her home on her own wages. So he didn't give her shit. She raised the children, spent summers in Arkansas with her family, and tutored children with learning disabilities while he ran the family bakery. In the aftermath of the revelation of her husband's killing spree, Darla said that she knew he was up to nefarious things, but she never imagined that he was murdering all these women. Because why would your mind even go there? Right. She probably thought maybe he was cheating on her or something like that. That's what she only, yeah, I'll tell you what she thought. Oh, she only figured that he was visiting prostitutes and she thought she could help him find his way back to God. So, exactly. (laughs) But, like, how did she think she was going to help him find his way back to God? By just, like, taking care of his children and living separate lives and, like, not being like, hey, can you stop going to visit all of these prostitutes? You know, like, I don't get it still. Women love a fixer-upper they think that they can change oh goodness right but but usually there are things that they try to do to change them it doesn't seem like she's doing anything to try to change them it seems like she's like okay well i guess we'll just live separate lives but what's the point of him being around you have separate like i get a lot of times a lot of times men are carrying the income in these families so the women are taking care of the children and not having access to their own income but darla is footing the bill on her and the kids and her house all with her own wages what is he contributing to this family why are you still together which i mean i guess we know we know why they're still together and we talked about it in episode one yeah Yeah, she didn't believe in divorce man i believe in it especially if your husband's a freaking murderer Right. Well, and eventually she did divorce him. So good for you, you Darla. Good for you. Murder is where she draws the line. (laughs) I feel like God would accept that. I don't know him, but I feel like he would give you a pass on that. That's fine. Right. You did all you could. (laughs) He did not find his way back to him, to God. Absolutely not. For obvious reasons, Robert's incarceration had a great effect on the family. Initially, Darla and her kids had planned to stay in Alaska, but the children were bullied in school for two years. I bet. And Darla packed their bags and moved back to Arkansas to be near her family. That is so terrible. Like, those kids didn't do anything. Like, But but can you imagine? Can you imagine being at school and then, like, 
some crazy murders kids was there no 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 because like no no that that sucks for everyone that sucks for the kids because they didn't do anything but then in your mind if you're a parent of another kid you're like that those kids are jacked up kid yeah (laughs) something is wrong over there stay away from the blood the serial killer blood Right. But you're right. They didn't do anything. They're like very uninvolved in that situation. But you do. Ha- you would have to move somewhere where well, nobody knows. And honestly, like as as bad of a situation as that sounds that their lives are completely separate. Maybe that was for like the absolute best that he was not like super involved near those kids. Yeah. Because then they didn't, you know, I'm sure like for them too, very traumatic, right? Like, oh yeah, my dad murdered yeah. 21 to 37 prostitutes. Uh, Yeah. So do you want to go on a date? Like how- therapy. Yeah. I just don't know. That's, it's just awful for everyone. It really is. Um, She also divorced Robert and sold their house and bakery in Alaska. So hopefully she got some she money. Goes. I hope so too. Um, Like we talked about. In part one, a little bit, there's a movie called The Frozen Ground starring Nicolas Cage as Sergeant Jack Holcomb, who is based on Detective Glenn Floth. And then John Cusack plays Robert Hansen and Vanessa Hudgens plays Cindy Paulson. Now, so I watched half of it. I didn't watch any of it. And we were supposed to watch it so we could talk about it. And I completely forgot. So maybe maybe next week yeah i mean it's on max formerly hbo formerly hbo max now it's just max (laughs) (laughs) and and it's um i just didn't realize how much i freaking hate nick cage man i just can't stand him and i think because like con air i love con air i love con air but con air he was playing a character he wasn't playing just like normal Nick Cage vibes. He was playing a crazy character. He's just playing like Nick Cage as a detective. And I can't stand it. I'm just like, oh my God, shut your freaking mouth right now, Nick Cage. You don't know anything. Mm. How's John Cusack though? He's good. He like, I watched, I was doing other things while I was watching it. So I wasn't paying like super attention um, I will say the Cindy Paulson character was really good. And John Cusack, I didn't see a whole lot of that uh, character yet. It hadn't gotten into like too much nitty gritty. It was like flashback stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But he had made himself appear like there were scenes of him in the bakery and how he was so helpful with like his workers and stuff like that. So the vibe I was getting was, yeah, this guy's not a murderer, but I know. I know. what he Yeah, did. you already know. You already know. But John Cusack, he's one of those guys that he can be crazy or he can be like the lovable. I just I love him. I love him, too. He's so I don't, good. I don't like him in those roles because I just want to love him. It feels wrong. It does feel wrong. <laughs> Nick Cage, I could see him being a freaking murderer. Maybe I would have liked it better. <laughs> Switch the roles. <laughs> but I'll um, watch the rest of it and I'll let okay. you know. I'll watch it too sometime this coming week. Um, Cindy's whereabouts were unknown as of January 2023, but she did contribute to the 2013 movie that we are discussing based on the crimes where she was played by Vanessa Hudgens. 
at the time of her helping or contributing to that movie, she was living with her family and later thanked director Scott Walker for helping her find closure. So that's interesting because I feel like sometimes from a victim's perspective, you know, a movie like that being made could be re-traumatizing. Oh, yeah. But she was included in the making of it, was able to contribute and said that, you know, she thanked the director for helping her find closure. So that's good. That is good. And that's that is good that's good for the movie because it gives some real you know background as to what she was going through and Mm. then but I could see where that would be super traumatic I'm I hope maybe she didn't watch it because some of the scenes that I saw like with her being shackled and things like that like I couldn't imagine that would drudge up some real bad stuff I feel like yeah even even just knowing that you got away and mm-hmm. then all these other women didn't and what yeah. happened to them and what very very almost happened to you because she almost got put in that plane oh yeah that would be a lot a lot to deal with absolutely so we hope she's doing well yes we do mm. oh yeah yeah and that's well, all I got that's all we got. Well, Darla's out. Good for you, Darla. Robert's dead. I mean, good for everybody else. Good for everybody else. Unfortunately, not everyone was identified, but if there's still hope, maybe. I don't know. Since he's yeah. dead, I don't think anything else will really come to light, but. No, just if they find things at this point. And, and you know, if they can figure out who the what is it a clun man i have to actually see it to say it wrong (laughs) a cluckna annie a cluckna annie yes if they're able to figure out who she is at some point i mean just just that other harriet Mm -hmm. one was discovered um through the friend our genealogy thing so maybe there's hope still for that absolutely yeah all right i'm gonna cite my sources yes I used grunge.com, thecinemaholic.com, allthatsinteresting.com. I'm sure I used Wikipedia, and I didn't list it here, but certainly I'm sure I did. Um, Washington Post, and then also last podcast on the left. Awesome. All right. Well, that'll do for part two. We hope you enjoyed Episode 153, or whoops, 154 on Robert Hansen, The Butcher Baker of Alaska, Part 2. We hope you all have a great week, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.